Live Life Stress Show. It's your Hogan, Mike Mahler, and uh, rock and roller, man. Right now, we're a little thrown off. I know by the time you got to this episode, we've all adjusted to the time and everything, but we're, as of right now, we're not. You know, not only are we not adjusted to the time, we got our guest who's on the other side of the world, and he's in the future right now. He's already living in the world of tomorrow because he's in Australia, yeah. and we're over here still trying to adjust to daylight savings time in America, and I'm not getting used to this right now, man. It's just throwing me off. You know, what really sucks, Mike, yeah, exactly. is the fact that I usually strategically make sure that I take my dogs out after they eat in the afternoon when it's dark, when there are no other people around, so I don't have to talk to them, so I can just enjoy my walk with my dogs. You know, because usually when it's dark, most people, you know, when it just turns dark in the evening, they're done by then. They've taken their dogs out. They've already come home from work or whatever else. Now it sucks because the sun is still out, and now even more people are out enjoy the evening then there they are and they want to stop and talk every few seconds i'm like hey man can my dog just poop in in peace do we really have to just like talk every few seconds and then there's another one there's another one and you know the dogs are like nosy and they're just they can't get their job done so this is really throwing me off so now i gotta come up with another strategy i'm gonna have to feed them later just so i can again try to avoid people (laughs) because this is not talk time man it's dog poop time there's there's no discussion there's no talking when dogs are poop okay you need to focus uh we have a funny crew over here, same situation over here at the dog park. It's, it's got this crew of people who drive in from all over Las Vegas, right? Some people drive from 15 minutes away. That part alone is funny. It's a nice area to walk, but, I mean, come on. It's right. not worth a 15-minute drive. And then what's even funnier is people literally walk their dogs maybe 50 feet, and then they turn around and leave. <laughs> you know, so it's like you drove. Old. You could have just walked your dog around the block wherever you live. If that's all you're yeah. going to do. I mean, when I go, is that like the only dog park? Like in Vegas? I'm, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice one. I'll, I'll, yeah, that's one of the courts of living out here for sure. It's a really nice one, but uh, I wouldn't drive across town for it. It's not that nice. I don't know, man. Maybe it's the Beverly Hills of dog parks to those people, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think for a lot of people, they don't walk their dogs or walking their dogs. They do it to socialize with other people. And that's that's right. pretty much the case here. People, they walk about 50 feet, and then they just talk to each other for about an hour, and then they leave while their dogs are playing with each other, et cetera. And, hey, at least they get out with their dogs. So that's a plus. Right. But what's funny is I've got, I've got a little Maltese over here, and there's a bunch, and he's well-behaved, unlike the other Maltese at the dog park who are a bunch of yappers who are stereotypical oh Maltese. Yeah. And people ask, oh, man, you walk that, that dog goes on the three- to five-mile walks to you? I was like, yeah. I was like, he's not a wussy dog. <laughs> so you guys just made your dogs wussy by putting these stupid little pink jackets oh, on them. And- <laughs> oh, dude, they, and everyone in my apartment, they carry their Maltese's. They're like, they'll pick them up and, and walk them and then drop them off where they want them to poop and wait for them. And then they pick them back up again. I'm like, no, what the hell are you doing? He has four feet, man. Okay, he doesn't need your help. He's good. <laughs> like you said, man, they're little yappers every time, which my dog just laughs. My bulldog looked at him like, I will eat you. Could you please just stop doing that and calm down? Now that we turn this into the Dog Whisperer podcast. First of all, folks, you know, thanks for continuing to support us over on Patreon, uh, hitting us up over on Patreon.com slash LLA podcast, becoming a premium subscriber. Been hooking you guys up with lots of bonus material, uh, some behind-the-scenes videos, uh, as well as commercial-free episodes as well. So, Lots more stuff is coming along, so thank you guys for continuing to join us over there. Uh, what do you have going on as far as your website, man? Everything's good, man. I've got some promotions that'll probably be over by the time this episode comes out, but there'll probably be some new promotions going on. Red Red has been out of stock for the last couple of months, as many 
people know. And we'll be back in stock by the time this episode comes out. So look for a promotion. Sign up for my newsletter. Basically, if you want to be up to date with all the latest promotions, you want to sign up for my newsletter. Because a lot of times, if I mention it on an episode, it's we re-record these episodes sometimes a month ahead of time, if not more. So whatever promotion I mentioned that's going on right now is not going to be going on by the time the episode comes out. But there's always something going on. But what's cool, actually, today is an interesting day for me because we're talking to Josh Collard of Earth Collard, great band, killer new record. But also, after this, after we finish recording with him, I'm meeting up with James Plaguey of Harm's Way, and they just came out with a new record, Post Human, that's incredible. He's actually in town. He's going to be getting a workout at the gym I normally go to, and I'm going to meet up with him afterwards and interview him. And some people listening may be going, well, I don't, I don't really care about that. I was like, well, you should care because take a look at just look at just Google lead singer harm's way and you're gonna see this big jacked guy who deadlifts over 600 pounds for reps <laughs> avid power lifter how to work out on the road this guy does it all for those of you you may not even care about the band or any of the music but a lot of you travel quite a bit and here's a guy who's jacked who travels more than any businessman I know and he stays in shape on the road so we're going to be talking to him about that or at least I'm going to be talking to him about that in person <laughs> so anyway, we got a double header this dude is a beast <laughs> the, the photo just came up with him with the ski mask I was just like okay man that dude I wouldn't want to see that in a dark alley <laughs> <laughs> but man, that's uh, Josh is over. I was telling Josh before we started recording that he's based in Melbourne, Australia, and I've taught a, I taught a course there in 2013. And every time I said Melbourne, people's faces would turn into a frown. And I go, oh, okay, what's up with that? And during one of the breaks, a guy came up to me. He's like, he's like, hey mate, it's Melbourne, not Melbourne. <laughs> not Melbourne, like the board identity. I was like, okay, well, why is it spelled? Melbourne, then instead of Melbun, it should be M E L B U N. Like a Cinnabon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, it's not, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but I had a good time out there. You know, Melbourne's a great place. Sydney's, I taught in Sydney and Melbourne. Australia is beautiful. Any, anyone, anytime you get a chance to get out there or make it a priority, get out there. That's an incredible place to visit. But, Josh, welcome, man. Great to have you. As I was telling you, I love the new record. I listen to it all the time. And I especially love Never In, Never Around, that track. I listen to that all the time when I get hyped up for a heavy sit at the gym or if I'm getting fatigued and I need to dig deep. I always put that song in, and it never fails. That's awesome, man. Thanks, Dave. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, and you're a great lyricist as well. You write – one thing I like about – I like heavy music, but I also like great lyrics. And that's one thing I like about a lot of hardcore bands. But there's a lot of cliches there too, which you avoid. I mean, your your lyrics are very cerebral, and especially in "Never and Never Around." But I was thinking it would be funny to take some of the choruses out of context, right? So, for example, if if I just sent someone the lyrics for the second chorus in "Never and Never Around," it would say, "I know they fuck you, but baby, they fuck me too." Now, just send that. <laughs> Come on. Now that we've um, heard Fifty Shades Mauler. <laughs> but obviously that's not what the song the first chorus is, I know the system fucked you, they fucked me too, so obviously it's a much deeper, but it would be funny if we just had that second chorus. But but yeah. what what inspires what inspires you when you're writing lyrics? Are you are you watching the news? Are you staying engaged with politics? Well, um, 
for the first album, I definitely was like extremely, uh, extremely engaged in, in politics, but, uh, because the, the mission statement for me, like lyrically has always been to, um, to help people as I've sort of, uh, as I've sort of like grown up, um, gotten a little bit older, I've sort of just changed, I've sort of, uh, changed the way that I, uh, went about helping people. Uh, on the first album, it was like a very, uh, political album. So what I wanted to do was, uh, sort of bring to light a lot of the, uh, a lot of the issues with the world. But as I've gotten older, I, I've sort of, uh, changed my approach in that my thoughts on the, um, on how to do it might be to sort of go about what people go through like every day, um, with their relationships, with their, like, you, uh, what they're struggling with. Like, uh, everybody's, you know, generally speaking, most people have like a, have a goal that they're working towards. And, um, I just wanted to make music, uh, that, uh, help people along the way there. And, um, uh, the way that I've gone about it, uh, is different on both albums, but the intention is the same. Yeah. And you have a motivational speaking background too, right? So we can, we can hear that infused into it. Yeah. I've done, I've done a little bit of that. Um, like not in, not in like a corny way, but like, I, I like to, I, I, uh, I like to, yeah. Like I've always, I've always just been about like, just sort of like, uh, you know, pushing myself, pushing my friends, like to, to sort of, uh, you know, just pushing, pushing the people around me to sort of achieve the, the, like, uh, the full potential of what they can. And, um, to be able to do that lyrically is like a really sort of cathartic and, um, and, uh, sort of, I guess, pleasant, pleasant thing to know that, uh, like for, for example, um, we were recently in Brisbane, um, on our, uh, Crystal Death tour. Um, and I ran into a fan who I had, uh, who I'd spoken to last time I went to Brisbane and he was telling me, uh, he was telling me that, uh, he was going through like a really dark time. And then he heard one of our older songs, shadow dance, which is a song about sort of overcoming depression, I guess. And, um, and, uh, he said that, uh, he said that he was going to, uh, he was going to like, he was in the mind state that where he was going to commit suicide until he heard that song. And like, uh, knowing that, um, one of, one of, uh, one of the songs that I'd written had had that much of an impact on somebody's life in a positive way was uh just like a really humbling experience it was like a it was a yeah it was a very exciting like it was just like i i felt like i'd uh i felt like i'd actually for the first time sort of like made it as like a lyricist if you know what i mean absolutely quite a contrast from cardi b's fuck them then i get the money <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. That, what, she would make you want to off yourself Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be the total no, opposite no, of what no. you just shared, man. I think knowing her what, saying that what that guy what what your fan said to you, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I don't think uh I don't think uh Cardi B's lyrics are as uh as you put it, cerebral, but but they get the job done. <laughs> oh, they're cerebral all right. It makes you want to bang your head against the wall and give yourself a <laughs> I mean, your, your, your song Pipe Dreams on the new record is that that's that made me think about when I first got into the fitness business, because that's what people thought of us. When I first got into the fitness business, my big thing was I'm going to proliferate kettlebell training. And at that time, no one in America, I mean, you probably have 50 people in America who even owned kettlebells. So the idea of building a fitness business, the idea of building a fitness business, period, people, a lot of people would consider a pipe dream. But building it around a ball with the, a bowling ball with the handle on it 
that just seemed ridiculously a pipe dream. But, uh, but uh, go, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say, but look who's laughing now. <laughs> well, exactly. It's like you have to have that confidence in what you want to do. And that's pretty much the message I got from that song is that you're going to get a lot of negativity whenever you're trying to pursue a passion of yours. And you just have to, if you have enough confidence and belief in yourself, you're just going to blast right through all of that. That's that. Yeah, that's spot on, man. That's exactly what I was, that's exactly what I was trying to convey with that song. Um, Earth Caller, like, uh, Earth Caller has always been sort of a band that, uh, hasn't, uh, that's, I guess, been like against the grain, um, as it were, especially right. in the Australian, especially in the Australian scene, like, um, the, the biggest, uh, the biggest like uh, record label in Australia is a label called Unified, and they offered us a record deal back in 2015, which I, um, which I at the time chose to chose to knock back because uh, I like um I had I had sort of like my own vision for what I wanted to do, and um, part of that vision was being a DIY artist in my own country, but having an American record deal, which we managed to achieve, which we managed to achieve, uh, which we managed to achieve to uh, um we managed to achieve that goal. Sorry. <laughs> it's a, uh, sorry. I uh, find myself a bit tongue tied. It's uh it's real early in the morning here. <laughs> <laughs> now you're with, what's the record label you're with right now? Uh, we're with entertainment one, which is uh, based in New York. Uh, uh, they've got like a few like real big artists on it, like Snoop Dogg. And I think Waka Flocka yeah. is on it now. Um, right. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, we got that, uh, we got that hook up through our, Essentially, our US liaison. His name's Shane Frisbee. He works. Uh, he works at a studio uh, called the Brick Hit House. He he owns that, and um, he was the guy that uh, mixed our first record. Uh, that's, yeah, that's that's incredible that you've never actually even been on any US bills or even have a strong US presence. No, You're no, able to look that. Yeah, um, yeah. That, uh, I guess that that was uh, that was just an example of like sheer force of will. Like I was, uh, I was definitely on one back then. Like I wish I could, uh, I wish I could tap into the energy that I <laughs> that I had when I was uh, when I was like securing all that kind of stuff. Can can a band just be in Australia and make a good living, or do you think you have to expand outside of that? Um. That's an interesting question. I think that I think that um I think that you definitely can make a living just in Australia, except I'm not sure anybody in Australia really starts a band just to stay here. Like um like uh for me, like uh when I started playing uh I guess like you you know, in this style of music, uh when I was like fifteen years old, the goal was always to uh the goal was always to you know, like the, the, the big dream was to make it in America. And that's how it is for, um, for pretty much every Australian band. Like everybody wants to make it in America. Usually, usually the way to do it is that you have to have a strong enough presence in Australia so that, uh, so that you can make enough money to essentially go over to the States and take a huge bath. Like that's, uh, and like, and right. hope that, and hope that like, uh, and, ho- and hope that that your music ends up catching on. Uh, yeah. in the, in the states, but like it's it's always just uh it's always just like a huge investment and a huge risk. But it's it, you know life is about life is about uh taking the right chances, you know, and like that's obviously one of them. Yeah, I mean you're at the right age to do that. Some bands have managed. Some bands such as Die Art is Art is Murder. Now they 
on the periphery seemed like a really big band. But I remember a while back, I'm sure you remember where the lead singer came out and he said, look, I'm, I can't do this anymore. I'm living off on minimum wage, essentially. Mm. And I, I just can't keep pursuing this. Like they would tour the U.S. and elsewhere and then just have nothing to show, or at least in his words, he, would, he wouldn't have anything to show for it. He would be broke by the time he got back. So yeah, it must have must, those formative years must be really difficult where the goal might not even be to make, have a profitable tour in the U S is just to have a tour period and then maybe break even and then just keep building upon that. Yeah, that's, that's like, uh, that's, that's exactly right. Like, uh, for a, um, essentially literally for an Australian band to, to be able to go on tour in the States and break even, that's like a, that's an achievement in and of itself, you know, because, um, uh, it's 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 weird like um it's weird australia's got like we've got like a a lot of like really really talented bands and um and uh we're we're on this uh we're essentially just on this like giant island like in like uh on the other side of the world from where everything else is going on europe and the states and and the uk and stuff like that and essentially like uh essentially what's going on over here is just the competition is uh, like as in the, it, there's all these bands trying to vie for that international for that international attention, and um, and the result has been like just this. I'm not sure if you guys have listened to many Australian bands, but um, but there's like a lot of really good ones, and the reason for that is because of the uh, of the just the intense sort of competition of trying to get noticed from uh, from people on the other side of the world, and it's sort of just bred this like a this just really strong, like a uh, really sort of talented scene of musicians. It's, it's actually, uh, it, um, it's, it's actually like, you know, you go to a show in it, you go to a show in Melbourne, you, you've got all like the, even just like, you know, just bands that are barely even touring and stuff like that. And you realize like, like, wow, this, this scene is like something that I should be like really sort of proud and humbled to be a part of. Like there's a lot of really talented musicians over here. You tend to find that with, like, between you guys and also in the U.K., because they are trying to fight for that little space here in America. Yeah. It's so oversaturated over here, and not necessarily oversaturated with, with great talent as far as being on a more broad-scale popular situation. So mm. you're just trying to find that little bit of space, man, just to just get your name even heard over here. And, well, of course, you got to really step your game up over there, whereas... In America, it just seems like there, there's so much microwavable music and, and people get <laughs> out that it's like, okay, well, at least I got something out and I was out for five <laughs> seconds. At least, you know, and they try to ride off of that. So again, like, so you're fighting for space, whereas it's, it's, it's not the opposite where you got people in the U, in the U.S. fighting to get play in, in Australia, you know, or <laughs> the U.K. It's, it's crazy that we're still the standard for some reason when it comes to, you know, breaking new talent in music or, or in any part of entertainment. But then you tend to find out, it's like, wow, you know, this guy's, you know, or these guys or this, these young ladies or whatever far sound far better than so-and-so, just like we're talking about with Cardi B or whatever else. And, you know, yeah. you got someone like, like, okay, man, when cats like you are trying to get in, why are we wasting so much time on these other people? And then, you know, that's oversaturating the video being played 15 times a day, you know, all day long, the same 12 strong songs that they want to say or whatever else. You know, so it just kind of sucks, man. But the good thing is, now we have all this technology, which we were all battling just to get on this call. <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. All this technology now, you know, we're able to connect and hear artists such as yourselves 
And it's like you discover all this new music that, you know, we normally would not get on the radio or or, well, not even video channels anymore, because, I mean, they have the V in their names, but they don't show videos anymore. But now we have YouTube. We have this. We have SoundCloud. We have MixCloud. We have all these different platforms. Now, Spotify, which is where I discover a lot of new music, because, you know, especially when they start suggesting new artists that are related to the ones that I'm listening to. So it really yeah, helps out. And I think that really helps you guys really break yeah. in this U.S. market a lot faster than traditional radio, terrestrial radio. Yeah, 100%. Like, um, the the way that we were able to even sort of get noticed um, in in America was from our um, was from our YouTube channel. Uh, our first uh, video clip, we, our our very first uh, our very first sort of popular song um, was like a, a "fuck the police" song, and like uh, that obviously uh, had like a lot of traction in the states and stuff like that. That'll <laughs> <laughs> um, that'll grab attention one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like uh, technology has been like obviously like super awesome for us. Like I make a point to to sort of um, if anybody like if any of the fans ever contact me about Earthcaller, I make a point to like do my best to to always get back to them. Like I recently had a conversation with a kid in Mexico who got our uh, who got our record. Um, he's like uh, it, it just like it just trips me out. Like uh, these songs that I'd you know wrote while like uh, smoking weed in my room is being heard in Mexico right now. Like this guy's telling me he's showing his mates and they're having a headbang. It's it's fucking it's uh oh sorry, am I allowed to swear on the podcast? Oh yeah, absolutely man. Whatever you okay, want cool. to say. <laughs> well yeah, it's a it's a it's a, it's a fucking excellent time to be alive, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's I mean it's gotta be cool when you have that kind of when you get that kind of positive feedback, that's gotta be really cool. But you have a real message though, but I think there's a lot of really good bands, like you said, coming out of Australia. There's one hardcore band, I'm not sure if you've heard of them, called Relentless. Yes. Yeah, we've toured with them. They're really um, good. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, yeah, they're grass. Um you you know the singer of Relentless. Do you know what he's uh do you know what he's doing on the side now? No. He uh he MCs weddings and he's got like a really good business uh doing that on the oh, side really? as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's epic. It's you never <laughs> well, that, that, explains, that explains why he has the hardcore band. You gotta balance out all that estrogenic energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like Corey Taylor with Stone Sour, man. He needs Slipknot after you yeah, know singing yeah. through the glass, you know, with them all the time. Definitely, Sour. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. he also needs the Stone Sour after he's been like, you know, just like playing uh, playing in a band where a guy hits a hits a drum with a baseball bat. Needs to chill out for a little bit. Just wear that fucking mask during the whole show with Slipknot. It's probably just a relief for him not to have to wear that when he does Stone mm. Sour. That, I've always wondered that. I've always like every time I watch Slipknot up playing, I'm just like, there's humans underneath those outfits. Like, how are they doing that? <laughs> I'm thinking there's funk underneath those outfits because I'm, you know, so, so I'm like, God, those things have to stink by the end of the show, man. Oh, dude, like you'd yeah, think you think that they would have like a new one every night. You need to put those in rubbing alcohol after every show. <laughs> For real. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, but I mean, it seems like there's this big wave of metal. It seems like different countries have their time, right? And right now, Australia has, there's there's so many good bands coming out of Australia, and many of them are popping in the U.S., such as any anyone into intense music knows Die Art is Murder. They know Amity Affliction. I know you're friends with those guys. So I think yeah. as as more bands start tripling over here, it's gonna, you're going to, what happens is people start, 
it's kind of like the, the British invasion, right? You hear one really good British band, and then you start going, okay, what else is out there? And then you discover more and more, and then all, all of a sudden a whole scene, and all, then all of a sudden promoters can even use that to bring bands over. Like, okay, we're bringing over the five best bands in Australia for a tour in the U.S., for example. Oh, man, that would be... Uh, that sounds, that, that sounds... That actually sounds like an excellent endeavor. I've always wondered, like, how a, how a tour with, like, just Aussie bands would go in the States. But I reckon if you got the right ones, it would be it would be huge. I think it would. I think Die Art is Murder, Amity Affliction, and you guys. I think that could work really well. Oh man, that would be a dream come true. On my end, I'll open up that tour. I'll kick shit. I don't mind. <laughs> All it takes is just yeah. the right promoter, man. It knows what they're doing. They can make that's it happen right. these days. It. It's just right. someone that's experienced and really knows how to put it together, know how to market it. It, it could happen. No doubt. You need the right cities. The, the right location, the, the right venues, the right promoter. I mean, those, the, there's a couple American cities where it would just be a big flop, and then there's other cities where it would do really well. So you just need someone who knows that, someone who's mm. done tons yeah. of tours, tons of promotions. Well, uh, well, fortunately, right now we got our boy um, Sean Mott from uh, Artery Global working on working on uh, getting us over in the U.S. summer. So. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully that all goes through, and uh, hopefully I'm applying for visas soon. Yeah, that would be this summer coming up. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, oh, that'd be that's, awesome. that's, the, that's the intention. He also hooked us up with a um, with a UK and Europe European booking agent um, out of Artery Global as well. So, um, so yeah, the Americans have just been making moves for us. It's it's been uh, it's been a, a really uh, it's been a really exciting time. We've got a lot to look forward to. Yeah, you should do it. You should do it. You should open up one of your shows in the U.S. Go, okay, before we start playing, I wanted to give you guys some motivational stuff. (laughs) Before we start playing, I just want to give you guys a quick 45-minute motivational speech. (laughs) (laughs) Hope everybody's cool with that. All all of a sudden, someone starts bringing in buckets of hot coals. It's like, okay, we're going to have everyone. We're going to make two lines. We're gonna do a wall of death. We're gonna do a wall of death on hot coals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next, we're gonna do a wall of trust. Come on, even though you got your hands in the air, I need everybody to scream yes the entire time. Yes, yes, right yes, be. Yes. <laughs> the yes movement. I think one problem that the American music scene has is that all these legacy bands are basically still relevant, and I don't mean I don't say that as a bad thing. What I'm saying is that. The same metal bands that were huge when I was 20 or 15 are still just as big, if not bigger, now, right? They're still just as relevant. And that's great. But what happens is is people (laughs) fixate on those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What we need is those bands have to retire. Like Slayer's doing their last tour, allegedly, right now. I mean, sometimes that's just marketing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Scorpions did their last tour a while back, and then literally within a year they were touring again because no they, they, I mean you can only have so many martinis on the beach you know for so long <laughs> until you realize you know what we just needed a break man we don't need to stop doing this forever we just need to take some more time off but I think when you when you have all these legacy bands in the slots then sometimes those bands have to get out of the picture so that we can bring up the next wave yeah that's it and um and while that or at happens, least put them uh, over. 
you know, or at least put those the, the bands that are coming up. Let those legacy bands put those bands over. It's kind of like professional wrestling. Like the old wrestlers like to put over the new guys, you know, and give them a good right. match or whatever else. And so they can expose them to this audience that won't let the old guys go. And it's like, hey, but look at this new guy. And then they put them over like that. So you should do the oh, same thing. Right. And, you know, that's, that's one way to do it. And not put these guys on and have them open up for the legacy band like at 8 o'clock. You know, or seven o'clock. That's not putting them over, man. That's kind of setting them up. And the only thing you're really giving them is tossing them a bone. So they say, like, yeah, you know, we toured with the Scorpions. But yeah, you opened up at seven o'clock. No one was there. So who would even know? And then who even cares at this point? No one heard your music. So it didn't really help you. So just saying that you, you know, toured with them is not enough. Did anyone even hear, the, hear you at that show? That's the question. Yeah. So, you know, set them up with a good time slot, man. So, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, guys like, um, like Rob Zombie, you know, Marilyn Manson, we're going on tour again <laughs> right now, you know, but they've set up bands, you know, at a really good time. So I remember Godsmack, you know, had Mushroom Head open up for them, like right before they were coming on. Hell, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known about Mushroom Head back then had it not been for that show. And, you know, but they had a very good time slot, man, and put those guys over, you know, to that audience, right? And expose them to that, that fan base that Godsmack had at the time. And I think that really helped them out. So again, you know, they're really good about that. So you want bands, right. you know, old, these legacy bands to do something like that, man. He'll put the new guys over. Yeah. Right, having you're not going to lose any fans, dude. Okay. You're no, not going to no. lose any new your fans. That, that's the fear, though, of why they don't, is that it's just that insecurity. Like, look at Metallica with Jim Brewer opening up. I mean, come on. Take someone like Code Orange or Earth Callers. You could, right. you, Metallica right. has the ability to make someone's career almost, or at right. least give it a push, right? Yeah, and then what's a, what's the point of Jim Brewer? Yeah, what's the point of having Jim Brewer, who's it's a comedy band? What does that have to do with thrash metal? Although <laughs> Metallica is barely a thrash metal band anymore, but there that's if it wasn't for those first three Metallica records, no one would care about everything that comes after. So it's just no, push the neck. Oh, but I I I really thought with like the last album that they put out, it like it, it was sort of felt like it, it came back to the to the first three or first four records, and like um, oh hardwired. Yeah, yeah, and um, and uh, like I would have thought that they would have made a move like what you're describing, like uh, taking like somebody like right. Code Orange or Harm's Way. By the way, when you guys are said to Google the vocalist from Harm's Way before, I uh, I did, and that guy is an absolute animal. Jesus, <laughs> he's a fierce looking dude. Yeah, I'm gonna. What's funny is I'm I'm gonna interview him. I'm gonna take a, a portable microphone. I'm probably just gonna interview him in my car. You know, I have a Harmer H3, so at least the sound will be locked in. But I don't know if there's enough space for him to fit in there. Like you sit in the back seat, I'll sit up front. And I'll just turn around with the microphone. Right? There's not enough space for you up here, shotgun. <laughs> yeah. Couple of jack dudes had to split the car into twos rather than fours. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Once I see him, I might think, yeah, you know what? So much for that idea. Let's just use one of the offices here. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. No, Harm's Way, Twitching Tongues, Code Orange. You guys are so many really good bands. What's funny is we had the the lead singer of Code Orange and the drummer on last week, last episode rather, and I was telling him how I went through a long phase where I wasn't really listening to any new music. I was just focused on building my business. I just wasn't thinking about it. And then I started becoming friends with people that are into current bands, and they would just feed me things. And I'd be like, wow, these are some really good bands that are out there. And then I just went down that rabbit hole, and now it's one of my hobbies. It's one of the my favorite things to do with my downtime is just scour the Internet, looking for different bands, finding stuff. And I have friends who send me things. I send them stuff. And there's so many good bands out there right now. I just think with today's in today's world with the, 
the good thing about technology is that it allows you to, with a limited budget, get out some good music. I think it's not real, not so much of it as a negative, but because there's so much more accessibility, there's so many bands out there that I think it's hard to stay in someone's attention span for a long period of time to really build that base. I mean, just me, for example, I'll listen to a new record for maybe a week, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And then another band comes out with a new record, and I switch over to that, and I just forgot about the other one I was listening to. Yeah. This, this happens a lot. Now, with, what's interesting with, with, you, with your new record, though, it's like I wasn't lying. I mean, I listen to songs off of that every day, whether I'm walking the dogs, especially when I'm working out. So I think the cream always rises to the top, where you have to create something because there's so much competition, I think it's bringing out the best in a lot of bands. Like just like what you were saying about well, Australia, there's so much competition that that's why you have you, you can't just put out an okay record and expect that to put you over. You have to really crush it and put everything you got into it. Now, dude, it's not like the old days where you can um, where you can just have like you know three four bangers on a on a ten track album. Like you need right. to you need to literally write like ten twelve bangers and just like release an album with all hits on it. Like, but yeah, it's like, it's so true what you said about the, like the, the cream kind of sort of rising to the top because, um, Earth Call is like a DIY band. Like we've never had like too much of like a huge push, um, from like a, a, a label, like, you know, that was, that was by choice. Like I wanted to keep things in house just so we didn't find ourselves in the position, like, uh, what you mentioned before about the, the vocalist of, um, Viada's Murder saying that, you know, we've done these huge tours, but we don't have anything to show for it. Like all the, mo- right. all the money, all the money from the band goes through me first. And like, uh, and I would sooner sort of just, you know, give the guys in the band like a little kickback than, you know, just sort of like, just sort of like hoard it. You know what I mean? And, um, and the thing about the, like the, the cream sort of rising to the top is that, even without like even without like a huge sort of uh like label push like Earthcaller like uh Earthcaller has managed to, you know, find find its way into into your ears. And um, you know, right now I'm sitting here on, on your podcast, like having a chat with you. And I think that like uh I think that because of the because of like the sort of like influx in amount of bands and like saturation because of like technology and all that kind of thing, I think that like I think that we're having a bit of like a renaissance in music at the moment um, where there yeah. are just, where there are just like so many like really dope bands. Like I, I'm on Spotify, I'm on Spotify like 24 seven and I'm, yeah. I'm finding all of these bands uh, from genres. Like even um, music is getting so good now that even genres that I didn't really sort of fuck with before I'm starting to fuck with like, like, uh, there's artists in those genres that are just putting out stuff so good that you can't even deny it, even if you don't like that genre. Right. Exactly. Yeah, those algorithms will get you, man, because, you know, you're like, oh, I like that. And they're like, oh, let's let's make your daily mix for the day. And then next thing you know, they put a playlist together for you, and you're listening yeah. like, well, damn, that was pretty damn good. But then you realize, how invasive, you realize how invasive it is. Like, wait a minute, you don't know me. <laughs> like, how dare you like, get inside my head and think that I would actually like this? When Then you think, like, well, I do like it, but you don't know me, Spotify. You know, so that's kind of where the technology is going now. It's really these algorithms, man, and AI is getting very – very, very intelligent and very intuitive to what you like. And because we have patterns as human beings, we have these patterns, man. So even just a little thing, like even if you just like the base of a certain track from an artist that you could care less about, but just the baseline itself, 
it'll that algorithm will find a way to match that baseline up with another artist has something kind of similar or with the style or whatever. And then next thing you know, here's this person. The artists sound nothing alike, two different genres, but it was something about that baseline that was connected, and it it suggests like, hey, you'll like this track, and it puts in a playlist for you. And next thing you know, it's just very. It's very customized for you, but at the same time, very freaking scary when you think about it, it man. Is so cre- it is so creepy. But, like, you're right. It's like when, you, when you were saying before, like, come, come on, Spotify, you don't know me, but, like, you actually do know me. You know me better than I know exactly. myself. <laughs> exactly. Because we give it so much. If we give this technology more information than we give an actual human being that we have a relationship with, it's because we have a better relationship with our technology. We have so many secrets from significant others, whereas with the technology, we just tell too much. Even when we're trying not to say much, it still figures out a way, you know, yeah. that humans just can't do it. You know? <laughs> if only we could communicate with each other the same way we communicate with our phones. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so soon there's going to be an algorithm that says, hey, we've noticed that when you cheat on your wife on Facebook, these are the kind of women you tend to <laughs> well, it's all, well, it's already doing that because it always suggests certain friends for you. And you're like, hey, man, why is this porn star looking chick, you know, popping up in my feed? It's like, well, it's because you're looking at, you're looking at, you know, big booty girls, you know, dot com fan page. That's why. <laughs> Sorry, there was there was a there was a point in my life where uh where my Facebook uh when it was like when the algorithm started really popping off on Facebook and like there was a point where my news feed was like strictly police brutality videos and girls twerking. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you got me pegged. <laughs> One way to end well, up on American like- list, you know, and get on a no-fly zone <laughs> list, you know, come yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's that's seriously like a huge worry for me. Yeah. Like every time I'm about to Google something, I think to myself, is this productive to you being able to get a visa into the <laughs> USA right now? Or do you want to give the NSA this info? <laughs> Exactly. So you start trying to find creative ways to look for the, you know, for the description of it. <laughs> start leaving letters out. It starts looking all encrypted and whatever else. It's like all these little symbols or whatever else. Or you start misspelling words on purpose and, and using bad verb tense. <laughs> yeah. Thinking that you're outsmarting the outcome, but they know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, you're going to show up at LAX and all of a sudden denied to be stamped on your passport. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Like, we don't, don't like your like anti, don't like your anti-police rhetoric, young man. Oh come on, man! I was like 23 years old. Please let me in. <laughs> Sometimes these algorithms are off, though. Like, I mean, I don't post many political things on Twitter, for example. I use it for certain causes I'm interested in and promoting my business, bands, etc. But sometimes you have to laugh because, for example, you could post something anti-Trump. And then you'll get a bunch of recommendations of Trump supporters <laughs> you know, because all they're thinking oh, really? is Trump. Exactly. Just say the word Trump, and all of a sudden it's like my whole right side of my Twitter suggestion is all red. As far as suggestions, it's like conservatism. I'm like, why would I follow this person? Tommy Lauren, really? Why? <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, yeah. I think, um, I think that what happens when you input the word Trump into the Internet, your computer has like some kind of a technological stroke. It doesn't know what to do. It doesn't like, <laughs> know what to do anymore. What do we suggest? The algorithms can't even analyze Trump's behavior. <laughs> I mean, the algorithm can't even keep up with him, you know, the way he tweets or whatever else. They're just like, it'll see you pop up, put something with Trump, and it's like, oh, here we go again. That's what the algorithm says. <laughs> All right, boys, here we go. How insane is it like, that the president tweets, though? Like, just, I, like, I, like, I always go on his page, like, 
remember like the, I remember a time in my life where like uh I remember I remember the time before the internet, you know, like I was young, but like yeah. I I remember that. Right. And now the 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 leader of the free world is tweeting like constantly. <laughs> He's coming up with nicknames for dictators. Uh, Rocket Man and I are going to have a meeting. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> It's like how how do you become the troll in chief, man? It's like he's just trolling the world. That's a good title, man. He was talking to all these diplomats and dignitaries one time, and he he kept on dropping Rocket Man in front of these people. He was like, "And you know, we need to we need to talk to Rocket Man." <laughs> Meanwhile, Elton John is in there collecting royalty checks every time he uses that phrase, and he's like, "Yep, say it again." Yeah. <laughs> that's why that's why Elton John's retiring this year. This was his last tour. As long as Trump's in there, he doesn't have to do anything else. He's going to get a royalty for every time he says Rocket Man. Yeah. Or maybe Trump's trying to push him out. No, I said <laughs> right. Rocket Man. It was my. He doesn't even want to be associated with that title him. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> How did, how did you come up with the name Earth Caller? A friend of mine was asking, like, oh, you got to ask him if he was inspired by Earth Crisis. And I was like, I don't know if that's the case, but I'll ask. Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, that's like that's like 25% the case. Like, I definitely love Earth Crisis. But um, the way I came up with, uh, well, the way that I decided to call the band Earth Caller, it's actually like a lot more sort of like nerdy than you might think. Uh, I went through a period of uh, playing a lot of World of Warcraft. And um there's That's what a, I was uh, thinking of video games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um and uh and yeah, there's a uh there's a quest uh if you play like a, a shaman character, there's like a there's a uh there's a quest called Take Him to the Earth Caller. And I read that and I was just like, That's a fucking sweet name for a band. I'm gonna I'm just gonna kick, <laughs> write that into my iPhone notes <laughs> and then yeah, it just became the band's name. Right. Yeah, it's funny how that clicks out. Now, the other thing I was going to say about all this competition, one, one thing, here's what I, here's when I really get into a band. I'll listen to a band and I'll vibe with some other songs. I'm like, okay, these guys are pretty good. They're pretty good. There has to be that one song that really sticks out. And then the, the one that you just keep playing over and over again, right? It's like, I have to find that song where the second you hear it, you want to listen to it again and again and again. Then you start going back to the other songs and you like those even more because you like that first song that hooked you in. And that's what happened with me with you guys. My friend, my friend Patrick at the gym, he turned me on to your band. And I was like, oh, wow, these guys are good. They're good. And I just started listening to different songs. But it wasn't until I hit Never In, Never Around. That, then I was like, oh, wow, this is really good. This is exceptional. And I, that hooked me in. And then I went back to some of the other songs that I liked initially, but I liked them even more as a result of that. So I think every band has to have that. A lot of bands, they have, they're good, but it's generic, right? It's easily forgettable. So you listen yeah. to it, you're like, yeah, it's good, but it isn't, it's, it's too similar to something else. It has to like, be just enough different that it sticks out on its own. That's, that's right. Like, um, a lot of, I've noticed, like, I've noticed the, one of the, I guess, sort of like issues with some heavy music is that you'll put on a band's album and every single song will bleed into each other. Or, or right. like, you know, like it's all just right. like build up breakdown. And then, you know, if say you're like listening to the, uh, say you like listening to radio on Spotify, like you like the track, like you'll notice that like sometimes artists even bleed into each other, like, like same sounding vocalists or same sounding kind of breakdowns. But, um, but yeah, uh, back to what, back to what you were saying about uh, the song never and never around. Like uh, I actually, uh, I actually really appreciate it because that that's my um, personal favorite uh, song on the album. And um, 
I knew because of its like length, it's like four four and a half minutes, I think. Uh, like I knew it couldn't really be a single, but I always co- sort of considered it to be the strongest song on the album. And um and like uh I'm I'm glad that uh I'm glad that we're like a uh, kindred spirits on that because I I yeah. totally like uh I totally like uh what you were saying about um how you uh how you uh sort of get into an artist being like uh being that they need to have that one song that you just want to just bump like repetitive re- repeatedly. Um, that's, that's exactly how I do it. Like I'll, I'll hear a song and then I'll literally just like listen to that one song for maybe even like, maybe even like two days a week or something like that. And then I'll, um, and then from the, uh, from the appreciation of that song, I'll be able to appreciate the other songs that I'd heard more, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, man, that's definitely true. And I think that also with heavy music, it's important that you can actually hear what the vocalist is saying. I remember someone, someone when Ice T first put together Body Count. I don't know if he was, I don't know who he was talking to. I want to say it was someone in Slayer, but, but I may not be accurate. And they were saying, look, if if no one can hear what you're saying, then they can't hear what you're saying. And yeah. There's a lot out there where you have to look at the lyric sheet to even know what they're saying because you can't hear the words. You just hear it's, it's all the words are just merging with each other. So you, can, you have to be powerful, but the, the singing has to be emphatic where you can actually hear the lyrics. Most definitely. It's like, that's the, but, um, being in earth caller that I write, um, a lot, of, like a lot of the music as well as the lyrics, um, I find that, I find that surprisingly it takes me, longer to write the lyrics for a song than it does the actual song um because they're this is my thoughts on it the way when i'm writing lyrics it's obviously like very important to me what i'm trying to say sometimes i'll like spend you know two hours pining over the amount of syllables in one in one or two lines you know like and so if the lyrics if writing the lyrics is that important to me, then surely people hearing them should be equally as important. And so when I, um, when I perform them and when I, you know, record them and stuff, I do everything that I can to make sure that you can at least pick up, you know, 70% of the lyrics without having to, to read, uh, to, without having to read along. Um, that's just like a, like I, like I fully agree with what you're saying and what, uh, Ice T said. From Body Can. I find myself agreeing with Ice T a lot, I find. <laughs> He's a really sweet guy. He's a really, really interesting guy. I like reading his Twitter post because he always has his I don't I don't even want to say pontifications because they're not annoying. You know, they're they're very accurate. He's a very matter of fact person. Yeah, very matter of fact, but also coming from a place of a lot of life experience. Oh uh, yeah. Right. He didn't just read a book of quotes and then put his own twist on it. And this is coming from his experiences. It's uh, it's it's awesome that he's still that like uh, like when I when I heard that uh, Body Count was going to be releasing a new record, I was just like, oh, is it like you know, is it going to be is it going to be as intense as the old shit? But it's it's good to see that uh, in his uh, in his older age, he still hasn't lost the attitude. He's still got like tons oh, of two. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, there's plenty, the of, there's plenty of things going on in this world to keep him, you know, keep him up to date and keep that oh, out of For real, dude. So, for real. You know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> there's, there's more creative. There's, there's more fuel for being creative now than ever. <laughs> the inspiration right. is everywhere. Okay. So I, I think body. Is 
Yeah, I think Bloodlust, their latest body count record, I, I think that's their best one, honestly. I think it's better than the first one because musically it's really tight. The lyrics are cool. It's edgy. It's but it's also, it's also catchy. And that's one thing you guys have, too. Earth Caller songs are very catchy. It's heavy, but it's melodic. And that's the other thing I was going to say is you can't make it so heavy that there's no melody at all. Because right. if, if, it isn't, if it's not catchy in some way, then it's just not going to filter in. It's just going to be noise. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, I yeah, um, melody is like a for me. Um, even though I do make heavy music, and I like to have some parts that are just like absolute, you know, like noise and just crushing brutality. But for the most part, I feel that I, like I, as you're saying, like I feel like melody is super important. I try and write when I'm writing a song. I like when I'm write when I'm writing Earth Caller's music, I try and write it from the, from the mental place of like, how can I, I like, I want my music to be able to be appreciated by people who don't listen to metal. And I think that the only way to sort of make that happen is, is that you have to sort of, uh, have two sort of key components. There has to be the melody in the music and you also have to, uh, people also have to be able to understand what you're saying. Like, uh, that's like, uh, I've noticed that that is like the, the biggest thing for sort of, uh, people who uh, are outside metal to be able to appreciate metal. It's other lyrics just, or, or can you actually hear them like without having to read along? Right. Well, that's probably why some bands do contrasting vocals, right? Where you have, you have the screaming vocals contrasted with the high pitch or melodic vocals. Mm, right. Exactly. But, but that becomes a cliche after a while, too, because so many bands do that now, right? Where you have the one guy who's like, rah, 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 and then the other guy. He's singing with the melody. <laughs> he comes all in. He's, he calms things down. It's almost like he's the, he's the chaperone of the group. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of like, okay, the go now, let me, let me translate what he just said for you guys, okay? <laughs> <laughs> he's like a, he's like a vocal <laughs> subtitle, you know, for the, for the other guy or whatever. <laughs> It's basically like the the verse and the pre-chorus are for the dudes, and the uh, and the the chorus that's strictly for the ladies. Right. Yeah. So basically, they end up becoming the R two D two and C three POs of music, pretty much. It's just like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember Harley Flanagan made a point off the Chromex. He made a point. He goes, "A lot of music nowadays is I'm going to take you down. I'm going to truth. I'm going to screw you down." And then I flew so high. <laughs> 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 what the hell is that? Man? What the hell is that kind of music? I mean, I like yeah, yeah. to do. I'm not integrating bands that do. I mean, Amity Affliction does that, and they do it very well. But I think what happens is you get a lot of follow-alongs where, like, oh, okay, that's what we need to do now. We need to have one guy who no one can understand what they're saying, and that's not the case in Amity Affliction. Even with the screaming vocals, you can understand it. But there's other bands where you can't understand the screaming vocals, and then you have the melodic vocals. And it, it, it's cool if, if it's organic, if, that's, right. if, if, if it makes sense. But when it's contrived, you can tell. Yeah. Um, there was actually a point... That cookie-cutter set formula, you know. Yeah, that's right. it. There was actually a point in Earth Call. It's interesting, it's interesting when you say the... the like the, that you use the word contrived because there was actually a point in like the sort of formation of earth caller where, um, I had the exact sort of, um, I had the exact sort of, uh, mentality that you were just describing of just, well, it worked for these guys. So maybe we should try it. Right. And so right. we tried it 
uh, in like the sort of earlier sort of formation sort of songs uh, when Earthcall was sort of born. And when we were doing it, you could feel that it was contrived. And so we ended up scrapping it. Like uh, contrived is like the exact sort of uh, word that it was like, uh, and uh, and uh, like, uh, and having sort of been, through that myself like i can see the i can see how easy it is to sort of fall into that trap as a band oh no doubt i mean it happens in the fitness business all the time people instead of going what it's like what exactly excites you teach that they'll go oh okay kettlebells are big now so let me go take a course oh bosu ball people are gravitating towards that let me go take a course and and i go that that's the wrong motivation that's the wrong philosophy because because that's just following the herd too. That's just, that's just too superficial. It's too simple. You could look at the way you like to train, and then get that out there. Because there's going to be other people who like to do that too. So you don't have to fake something. You don't have to show fake interest in things that you could care less about, just because that's what's trendy right now. Definitely. Oh, and speaking of um, speaking of your uh, kettlebell training, my um. My uh my younger brother he uh he does a bit of uh he does like a bit of like MMA training and um he likes oh. to he likes to train out the back with kettlebells uh and a uh and a sort of like a punching bag like that's his main thing and uh when right. uh and when I found out I was going to be on this podcast I showed I showed you him and he's been uh he's been biting a lot of your uh your kettlebell moves since oh cool oh, very yeah. cool there's this um there's yeah, there's actually Sorry. a lot of synergy. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 no. You go, you go. Sorry. I was going to say that there's, there's just a lot of synergy between all these different expressions of intensity. So that's what we were talking about with Jamie of Code Orange last week, too, is that people that are really into intense music, a lot of times they're into intense working out, or they're fans of MMA, or they do MMA, or they train jujitsu. These are all different expressions of intensity. And, and like Harley Flanagan said it best, too, he goes, you can be hardcore without being in a band or listening to hardcore music. Because if you're an avid skateboarder, you know, you're hard. You're a hardcore skateboarder. If you're really into basketball, you can, or you're hardcore about it. You're really into animal rights or human rights, whatever it is. You're hardcore about that. So it's more of a lifestyle. So the music is not the only avenue to be hardcore. One hundred percent. I fully agree with that. I fully agree with that. And that, that's what. That's why when I got into this really intense music, it's not too long after I started really getting into really intense training, and that led to building a business and so forth. Even the nature of this podcast, we, we don't allow ourselves to just be limited to a fitness podcast. Case in point, we're talking to you. you know, so we're not, yeah. not going to just have fitness profession. Not, not saying you're on fit. <laughs> I'll just say that. Oh, no, no, but I that. totally am. The only, uh, the only uh, fitness advice I could give is about the, the benefits of having man tits. <laughs> so we always talk about hooters. Now we finally have a guy with hooters on. So that, that it's, it's all about. <laughs> you need to start listening to your own music, Josh. And you'll get. <laughs> I know. I know. I get so many people telling me that uh, it like it, it pushes them through at the gym, and now I'm sitting on a on a podcast with uh like like you know an aggressive fitness podcast. And uh, like uh, I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, like shit. I wish my music inspired me to do the same thing. It seems to be inspiring a lot of people to do. Yeah, you're a martyr. You're just you're inspiring everyone else. <laughs> it's just yeah, yeah, yeah dying for the cause. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, guys. <laughs> but I think what, what what I like about the show, sincere, and I do is that we don't just have fitness topics every time. I mean, that's a common theme that is going to resurface often. 
but we can go in any direction we want. I mean, next week we have Johan Hari, he's the author of Lost Connections, uncovering the real causes of depression. And we're going to be talking about, of course, depression and mental health. So, I mean, it's just, it's just cool to be able to navigate into all these different interests as opposed to a lot of people, I think, feel that if they go too far from what they're known for, they're going to lose people. And, and that fear is a mistake because it's going to it's going to limit your growth. It's going to just pigeonhole you into an area where there's only so much you can do with one thing. You know, like I love kettlebells, but there's, there's not really anything else I want to do with it in terms of getting kettlebell information out there. I put out 10 kettlebell videos. I've taught all over the world. I've written ebooks on it, et cetera. I've written hundreds of articles and publications. So I don't have anything more to say on that topic. I still train with them. I still like them. I think they're great, but I've got other interests. And I think that's the, you want to have that mentality of you follow wherever your interests take you and not have that fear of, Oh, what are people going to think about this? If we do this, like, Oh no, if we get, we get two different bands in a row on the show. People are going to stop listening. Well, they're going to stop listening. Too bad. <laughs> you know? But I, but I think that you'll find that your your initial sort of instinct was was more right. Like of just of rather than just you know you guys having strictly uh, fitness people on the podcast and stuff. Like uh, I I think that the fact that you guys bring in all of these other people. Um, diversifies your potential like sort of audience range as well as like. For example, like um, having, uh, as you said, next week, you've got a guy that's going to come in and, and talk about like the real causes of depression, right? Like, I think that there's like a lot of crossover in fitness and that kind of stuff, because like a lot of, uh, I, I know a lot of people that um, have even gotten off like uh, anti-depression medication and supplemented it with exercise and, uh, and you know, like and literal supplements. And that did more for them than the, uh, than the depression medication. Yeah, yeah. And on the flip side of that, there's people who are depressed and distract themselves with training to their exactly. detriment. That's their form of therapy. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're, yeah. they're not addressing the real causes, oh, you know. So. Yeah, exactly. That's why, that's, why, that's why when they run, they jog so hard because they're running away from their demons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here's the thing about demons. Demons don't run. Okay, they catch a ride on you. <laughs> 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 you don't have to run. They're already in shape, okay? <laughs> They're just cruising behind you in the Cadillac. <laughs> no, but what's interesting, I, I remember talking to a lady one time early in my career. I was teaching a course, and we all went out to dinner afterwards, and she was telling me how much she hates her job and how she wouldn't be able to get through the day if it wasn't for her workouts. And I'm like, well, that's great that you have something now to help you cope, but if you never – if you, you want to have – you want to – you want to take the confidence from your workouts and use that as fuel to quit the job you hate and go do something you love, you know, because that's what I did. Training was always my hobby, and I was in a similar situation to her. I didn't like my job, but I got my workouts in, and that, that allowed me to cope as well. But it's not to your benefit when you're coping with something that you shouldn't be coping with. What you should be doing is taking the confidence and intensity that you build from your training and use that to permeate into other areas of your life and improve all avenues categorically across the board 100 percent. like i've done that with um i've done that with uh, uh with m music myself like uh like music has like i've released like you know a couple of um a couple of you know uh relatively well like decently received uh albums and that sort of permeated into me being able to like you know talk on this podcast um we've got a we've got download festival coming up this month and hysteria magazine want me to uh present it like a just be like a video presenter for it and stuff so like um 
like I the whole reason I started making music was because I knew when I was a kid I already knew that like that nine to five uh rat race lifestyle was never going to be for me and so like I was just like maybe if I just like bury uh like well not bury like just put everything into this uh while other people are sort of you know while other people are sort of making their backup plan like I'll just be I'll just have all my eggs in this basket and um like the 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 rush that you get from playing shows like the 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 feeling that you get like the the contentness that you get from um from you know knowing that your music is well received sort of uh much like uh much like you're you're saying your your workouts do for you like give you the confidence to propel yourself into other avenues in life through that music and um to be able to you know to be able to like live off it is like the is the ultimate goal and stuff like that. And, um, and yeah, like, uh, I didn't want music to be a distraction from the life that I had to lead. I wanted music to be the life that I wanted to lead, you know? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Man, everything you do inspires everything else. That's when you have some real synergies. In other words, yeah. I listen to your music. Yeah. I get a better workout. I get a better workout. I'm better on the podcast. If I'm better on the podcast, then I have more creativity writing. If, I, if I'm good at writing, then that helps me with the stuff with the next thing. So there's synergy among all of these things. And I yeah. think that's one thing. A, a lot of people just have compartmentalization in their life. You know, they don't like their job, but they compartmentalize that when they go home. And then when they're at home, they don't like their spouse, so they compartmentalize that. You know, right. by watching TV all night. She's in the other room watching TV. You're upstairs watching TV. You know, people do a lot of compartmentalization, but there's there's no benefit of that. You're you're just no, putting away all these. You're closing all these doors in your head, and there's no synergy among all the different things you're doing. And and just by that, by the definition of sort of living like that, you limit your potential. Like even if you're compartmentalizing and but still even focusing on one, like you know, on a goal, you actually like limit your potential for success um, by by with that compartmentalizational sort of mindset. Like I in in my life, like uh, I remember I used to. Um, like when I was younger, I used to compartmentalize things with like with drugs, you know, uh, and just sort of like use the drugs to to cope with the life that I wasn't unhappy with, right? And then I eventually realized that like a lot of my um, a lot of my energy was being pushed in a in a not only not positive direction but like a, an actual negative one, and I had to like and I had to sort of rearrange everything. I need. I needed to start sort of taking care of myself more. I got really into cooking after that and, you know, like, um, and, and, uh, with the music and stuff like that. And, um, but I found that, uh, with that sort of coping compartmentalizing sort of, uh, effort that I was putting in, it was limiting, uh, like, even though I was focusing on trying to get my music happening, like I found that it was just 100% like limiting my potential. And, and it wasn't until I, it wasn't until I sort of uh, was able to sort of uh, get that synergy going, like, you know, focusing on music, taking care of myself. Um, it wasn't until then that sort of the results of starting to make positive moves in the music industry sort of started taking place. Because I think that much like in the way you get the respect that you give yourself in life. You like when it comes to your aspirations and goals, you, you get the respect that you give them, you know? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. 
And I think when, when your lifestyle is inhibiting what you're trying to do, it starts becoming easier to quit that. I mean, I used to yeah. drink a lot, party a lot, all that. And once I really got into working out and I started and I enjoyed the process of working out and hitting goals, then all of a sudden you start looking at, okay, well, what's going to inhibit this progress? And it's, it becomes much easier for those things to fall to the wayside. It's no longer even something you're trying to resist. It's just something that falls off to the wayside all on its own. 100%. Yeah, I've been there in my life. It's, it's, it's sort of interesting when you hear, like, um, like I remember at the start, like, uh, when, I, when I first decided to sort of make that decision to just really focus on music and really focus on improving myself, I remember thinking to myself, like, um, like why wasn't I doing this sooner? Like, why, uh, why would I wait this long? Like how, like, you know, I was sort of criticizing myself for being so self-destructive, but then you hear that, like, even you, a, a guy that's, a guy that's made a career out of, um, a guy that's made a career out of, you know, being a health and fitness figure, like to hear that you sort of even went through like a similar time where you were coping and treating it like in a very sort of similar way to I was. It's like, yeah. uh, like that, that still blows my mind, you know, like, uh, like I would have, I never would have thought back then that I would be able to sort of, um, overcome them and sort of progress in the way that I have. But, um, um, like, uh, but I'm sure that you would find this as well, but the, per the person I am right now is the, is the best person that I've ever been in my life, you know? Exactly. I mean, all you know is what you don't know. And that's what people understand. And of course, you know, we, we all can look back and, but again, like they always say, hindsight is 2020. So you know, we're always looking back like, man, if I had just known this back then, well, you know what? It's, you can't really get, even get caught up in that, you know, cause right now, this, you got right now and it's working right now. So it's kind of like, you know, that's I always hear people talk about, you know, if you could go back in time, what would you tell your 20 year old self? I'm like, keep doing what you're doing. Cause that's the only way I can keep doing what I'm doing right now. <laughs> He's like, so I need yeah. you to keep messing up. I need you to <laughs> have those bingers and go party and go to those frat parties and, you know, think that you're the biggest pimp in the club and you talking to every girl <laughs> and these girls are like, God, you're being a jackass. So you can realize that's not who you are <laughs> and truly appreciate and, and give people the respect that they deserve or whatever else. And, you know, I understand like you don't have to do that just cause you know all your boys are doing that and you know whatever else and guess what those boys you're hanging with now probably they're not going to be your boys 20 years from now but you right. know have fun while you can with them you know because you're going to have experiences with them that you can carry on throughout your life so i wouldn't change a thing and then i always hear people like yeah if i could go back i would change this i'm like nah because then you can't be who you are now if you change those things if That's you just it. go around that different corner and then all of a sudden it changes the trajectory of everything if that were possible and would you really want right. to do this? Like, no, that that all happened for it, it. It was there because it needed to be there for you. That was an experience wow. that you needed at that time. It, something in you guided you toward whatever was happening at that time. And guess what? It helped you get, you know, move away from that. You know, if you're way different now than you were back then, you needed that stuff, man. One hundred percent. Uh, I find like, that. Man, what would I have done if I didn't learn my ABCs in kindergarten? Well, yeah, I probably couldn't spell. You know, when you're thirty. <laughs> <laughs> <So, laughs> You'd be drawing pictures to try to communicate with everybody. That's what would happen if you, you go back in time and not learn your ABCs. You go back so to higher. That's such a good example. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, like I like um, uh, relating to what you were just saying. Um, I've, I've, like, what I realize now is that, like, you know, there's no point, sort of, there's never any point, sort of, uh, wallowing in regret, like, of of what right. you've done, and like, uh, and now with some sort of, like, you know, like you said, hindsight, twenty twenty. Like I've gotten some perspective and some maturity and some wisdom over the years. And, and what I realize now is that 
the time that I spent sort of not in this mind frame that I'm in now, the time that I spent sort of what you might describe as sort of wasting time, that time that I, in quotation marks, wasted is what sort of, uh, is, is what uh, gave me the perspective and insight that I have as, uh, uh, the like that I have now to be able to write uh, like good lyrics that, you know, actually people can relate to. Um, I, I right. think that without, I think that without those sort of pitfalls in my life, without making those sort of mistakes and, you know, even mistakes that I've made, uh, while I've been in like a sort of better mindset, you know, like you're gonna pursuing any goal, you're gonna fail. Um, and that's like, that's sort of uh, people's greatest fear about really sort of like reaching for their dreams. It's that they're gonna fail. And it's like, guess what? You are gonna fail. You're gonna fail again and again and again. Uh, until and just uh, but just as long as you don't stop and just as long as what you're doing is like uh honest and sincere um forgive the pun but uh like uh but uh you will eventually get there like like just as long as you just as long as you like keep doing it and you give it you know you give it your all sort of thing and you just not uh you just sort of try your best not to be afraid of failing you know, and not to kick yourself too hard when you do. Yeah, there's something to be said about having interesting experiences. I remember just listening to both of you guys talk. It reminded me of an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, which overall <laughs> wasn't a great show, but it had its moments. And there was one episode where Captain, there's, there's this one character asked Captain Picard that question, what would you change if you could go back in time? And he said, well, when I was a lot younger, I was much more belligerent. I got into a fight with these with these people at a bar and that ended up with my heart being ripped out and I had to have a mechanical heart put in. So I'd like to go back in time and change that. So then he gave him the opportunity to go back in time and change that very thing. So he did. And then he went back to the present and he's no longer the captain of the ship. He's some low level guy in engineering or something like that. Uh And he's, he's like, he's like, he's just horrified by this. He's like, wait, how can I be this, this lifeless soul with no direction and he asked his number. He asked the guy who used to be his number, his number one person, who's now the captain of the ship. He goes, "Hey, what can I do to improve my elevation?" And the guy's like, "Well, let me speak bluntly. It's like you know, you play too safe, man. You don't stick out. You just do your job. You're punctual, but you're not doing anything exemplary." And I was what was what's really ironic is I was watching this episode with a relative who I had always thought of as this kind of person, right? Oh. But we're both. But I'm sitting there wondering what he's thinking because I'm watching him going, this is an episode about you, man. <laughs> you know? And he's like, just looking like, he's like, oh, this is a crazy episode. He's not even realizing <laughs> that there's a connection here. He's like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. You can't go back in time and do that. He's like, dude, you're missing the point. <laughs> you're, you're that dude. You're Captain Picard right now. Well, actually, you're low-level Picard right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> low-level Picard. <laughs> All right, you are LLP, dude, okay? All right, that this situation is, sounds like, real funny. Was he... Oh, like I was just uh, I was just gonna say like that situation's like a really funny one to be in. Was it like he was watching the show and you were just watching him <laughs> watch the show? Exactly. Right. <laughs> You're like, are any any bells ringing, cuz? Uh, it was almost <laughs> as if the episode was inspired by meeting him. You know, my relative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the way he's always played his life. You know, I won't go into the segue into more detail, but he's always played it safe. Doesn't stick out. Doesn't do anything. And this is at a time in my life where I'm in my early 20s. So I'm just beginning, you know, I graduated from college. I'm just beginning to try to figure out what I want to do and where I want to go. But that episode really stuck with me. I was like, man, you know, there's something to be learned from there. And at this point in my life, it's not like I played it safe. You know, I majored in religious studies. That's not playing it safe. That's not like a, 
Now, that's not going to get me to the front of a line with a, a well-paying job, <laughs> you know, at any company, but it was what I was interested in. So that's why I pursued it. So it's not like I was living my life safely up until that point, and this episode inspired me to go up track. What it inspired me to do is just keep keep taking those risks, keep taking those chances. So it, it was a really well-done episode. And there, there's other shows that have done similar things, too. So I've had this message hit me multiple times where it's an episode where it's like, okay, well, if I could go back in time, I would change this, and the character's allowed to do that, and it totally messes up the present. Yeah, there's 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 been movies that do that. I mean, this this shows this kind of theme has been done. Timeless or whatever they do that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's another one. That's another one. Exactly. But the problem is, is that see, I I I derive a lot of motivation from entertainment, movies, music, good television shows. They actually permeate into my life where I've made positive changes from being inspired by this. Like people who read my book go, man. uh, you quoted a lot of TV shows and movies. You sure do watch a lot of TVs and movies. Ha, ha, ha. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's why I wrote a book that you bought and are now reading, dipshit. <laughs> you <know? laughs> like, you're making fun of me doing that. Yeah, you're the one who bought my book, and you're emailing me after you read it. So what, what, how many books have you read? What are you doing with your life? So, so you're, you're, I don't waste time watching TV. It's like, well, maybe you should, man. Just watch the right shows. There's a thing right there. Yeah, watch <laughs> Well, the average person just entertainment, they don't get anything from it, though. So, for example, Josh, someone will listen to your music, and they'll listen to Pipe Dreams and be like, wow, that's awesome. But then they won't do anything with it. I'm not saying everyone. I'm just giving an example here. And then someone will watch a movie. Someone will watch a movie like Untouchables that I found really inspiring because what are you prepared to do to achieve what you want, right? Like, that's what I really got from that movie. Every time I see it, it just reinforces that. Someone else will watch it, and they're eating their big bucket of popcorn, and you know, they, they go, oh, that was good, and then they go back to their life. When I watched Avatar, I couldn't wait to work out because I'm watching all these these people moving around the jungle on this planet in this really athletic way. I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to go work out tomorrow after watching this. But how many people experience that watching? And so where I'm, I'm not talking about, I'm not saying all this to talk about how great I am. I'm just saying that there's motivation to be derived there that people are missing out on is where I'm going. Yeah, no, there's, uh, people miss a lot of the – like if if you're not looking for it, a lot of the inspiration that you find in day to day life just sort of goes over your head. Like I find I find that um like I found that um like uh, certain TV shows have influenced certain moods that I've been in when I've written lyrics. You know, like certain um certain certain life events have influenced like uh like for example, never in never around. Right? Um, when when I wrote that song, um. I literally, uh, so like I'd had like this on again, off again relationship with this girl for like a couple of years. Right. Um, and it was sort of, it was sort of like more like her dictating the terms to me and like, um, like, uh, that's, you know, perspective I've gained in retrospect. And, um, there was this one sort of, uh, formative moment, uh, where, um, we, we, uh, she was like going away, uh, on a holiday for like, a for like, you know, a long time. And, um, and like we caught up before it and we sort of tried to work some stuff out and it became like a very emotional experience. And like, uh, in the, in the state of mind that I was in, I literally drove home from her house and just started writing that song. Like I just started writing the music for it. And once it was done, I wrote the lyrics and it was just this really sort of like organic, intensely emotional experience. And, um, that was just like a, uh, an inf- uh, like a, that's just an example of life influencing art. Like, you know, uh, 
in yeah. the exact moments that I like I was feeling these feelings in real time and being able to put them down on the page in real time. And I think the result of it was like a really intensely emotional song and like it obviously stuck out to you on the record and stuff, uh, like what you were yeah. saying earlier. Yeah, and actually listening to your motivation for writing the song, that that probably explains why it stuck out even more because probably unconsciously I was thinking about my first marriage where I was I was married to a real soul fucking vampire type person. And I remember after we, but you know you're trying to make it work, right? For yeah. a variety of reasons, complex reasons. But anyway, you're trying to make it work. And I remember when it was finally over, and I was walking around Santa Monica by myself. Actually, I was with my dog, and I was like, oh, man, you know, what can I do to get her back? You know, maybe I, should, I was trying to come up with ideas. And then I just had an epiphany. And it's easy to have epiphanies in Santa Monica because there's beautiful women every five feet. <laughs> Why the fuck do I want to get her back? Look around, dipshit. <laughs> you know, look around, man. Look at all the fish in the sink. Yeah, exactly. You're finally, you're, you know, you're single right now. You're in Santa Monica. You're young. You're in your, you're getting this career going and just look what's around. And then I never thought about it again. I was like, fuck that shit, man. That shit is over. It's done. Let's burn that bridge. Let's go have some fun. Let's go do it right now. You know, not tomorrow. Right now. We're going to go talk to some women. <laughs> and I did. And it was, and, it, and I had a lot of fun for the next several months, years, et cetera. And, and life's been great. Just, uh, so sometimes you just have these, sometimes when something, Sometimes when when something's over, people want to have some kind of cathartic experience. But sometimes the the real benefit is that it's over. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah they want to have this, this, that, this event. They cathartic. want this big event. Yeah, it's like a climax. It's like, oh, it needs to be definitive. I need closure. It's like, well, the closure is done. Well, I need answers. Exactly. You already got your answer. You're not together anymore. They go their way. You go on yours. There you go. It's just like, look, man, you can't sit there and go in jeopardy and then hit the buzzer and then answer the question, get it right, and then keep answering the question over and over. It's like, dude, okay, you got it. You got your answer. You got the money. Move on to the next category. Okay. You get these epiphanies in life that are just so obvious. I mean, another one I remember is I had gotten back from teaching in the U.K., and this is the first time I ever taught in the U.K. This is 2002. And I was just barely getting by. And I looked at my bank account, and I had seven bucks, literally seven bucks left. I was like, fuck, man, seven bucks? I was like, I'm just going to have to get a regular job for a while. I'm going to have to go back to business development sales, what I was doing before I got into this, at least for the interim, get the funds back in, and then come back and revisit this. And I basically made that decision. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to have to do that. So I'll go walk my dog, and then I'll come back and start putting together a resume, blah, blah, blah. So as I'm walking, Mona, my dog at the time, we're just walking around Santa Monica, and I walk by a bunch of office buildings, and I just see people in there, nine to fivers, doing their thing. And that put the fear of God in me, where <laughs> I, didn't just, I ran home, not to do a resume. I ran home and said, no way I'm going back to that world. It's like you put a line in the sand. It's like, there's no way I'm going back. I'll go into credit card debt. I'll do what I need to do. I don't care, but I'm going to make this thing work. I'm just going to start right now. And at that time, is is and and that's exactly what you did. Like when you're in that moment, it's exactly what I did. I start. I go. Why waste time trying to get a job which could take weeks to a month when I can start making money today? It's like I already had things in place. Write more articles, get paid. Take on more online clients, get paid. Promote yeah. more workshops, paid. It's not like there wasn't anything I, I I could do to get paid. And the thing about a workshop is, you could do a workshop three months from the day you promote it, but the money starts coming in because I did everything on my own. So I, I didn't I didn't delegate it out to some promoter 
to put together the course for me or a gym to host it, then they, then they, then they pay me after the job is done. I would promote everything on my website. So as people are registering, the money's coming in now. Yeah. Now you have to teach the course later. <laughs> you know, so it's not money for nothing, but the money's coming in now. In other words, money to survive is coming in immediately if you have enough things in place. But it was, right. it was a very, it was a very definitive moment. And I can remember it like it's yesterday. I can just remember the mindset of initially being defeated and feeling demoralized and then feeling very invigorated. Once I saw where I thought I needed to go back to, I was like, I saw other people doing it and that just made me freak out. I was like, I can't go back to that. There's no way I'm going back to that. And I think you have to have that mentality. If you have a mentality of, I'm going to give this a shot. And if it doesn't work out by this date, then I'm going to do this. You, you've already failed. You're already giving yeah, you're yourself already, a way you're setting up. up for failure. Yeah. So once you have that mindset, so don't even bother. Don't even bother jumping into this if that's your mindset. You got to jump in and go. I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to make this thing work. That kind of mindset. Fucking nice. Fucking nice. The biggest problem, man, is just that familiarity is what gets people in trouble because it's safe. It's like you know, okay, well, I've done this for so long. At least I know that's there. <laughs> even going back, even right. when you've been fired from a place, but it's so much easier to go back to something similar to it because you're familiar with that. But now having to strike out on your own and go to something totally different has nothing to do with that. And just a possible, what's, what's crazy is there's that possibility that people think of that, well, if I try this, what if it, what if it fails? Okay, but what if it succeeds? Hell, so here's the one thing about going back to a regular job or going back to whatever you're familiar with or that, trying to get back with that same person you broke up with. You already know they're crazy and you're crazy. And when you're both <laughs> together, it's a whole lot of crazy. Okay. You know that, for, you know that for sure. So the crazy is going to intensify once you get back together. Nothing. It'll never be as good as the first time. Okay. Yeah, you had, play she was on to something when she's saying that, man. Okay. And when she looks that good, listen to Sade. She knows things. <laughs> so, <laughs> she, she already told you guys. So it's yeah. not going to be the good. Cause the thing is all you, that's like all it. you remember. Even when you go back to an ex 20 years later, what you're thinking about is that person from 20 years ago. You don't know what's happened from that time period in between that. And that's the thing about it. You're not familiar with that. And that's, what's going to end up showing up. When you get back together, it's not going to be that person you met 20 years ago. It's that person that happened those other 19 years in between. <laughs> you know, it's just like, and you don't know who the hell that's that a stranger. <laughs> you know, you have, you have, it's a person that has those memories, but you're not even literally that person anymore. You know, your cells regenerate no. every few years. So it's like, even on a physiological level, you're not even that same person anymore. It's like you're a you're a cannon right. that holds the cellular level. You're not that person. Your cells have changed at least two or three times since then. You know, and <laughs> that's just biology. You know, yeah. dude, yeah, you, you've you died and come back quite a few times since then. <laughs> that's right. Oh, but yeah, there's something to be said for that whole. Like, it's just it's just funny how. Basically, like basically any person that's that's ever sort of uh, done something exceptional in their life has a story similar to the one that uh, Mike just told about uh, about just okay, well, I've got seven bucks in my bank account. All right, I'm going to walk my dog, and then I'm going to go, and then I'm going to go start putting together a resume in a sort of defeated, overcome sort of uh, sort of mindset. And then while you're walking your dog you see people that are doing what you're about to sort of embark on and you just say to yourself like, no fucking way can I do this? Like I'm going to, I'm just going to double, I'm going to double down on what I'm good at. I'm going to fuck off what I'm not, you know? And uh, it's funny. Like you hear, you hear so many successful people tell like real sort of similar stories to that. And I think that like, um, 
I think that like the, the sort of like key factor in all of that is, is that to really be driven and to be like super good at something and super passionate about something, <clears throat> you need to experience a world where you don't have it and it feels like a, ho- a like a big gaping sort of hole in your heart. And right. from there, like from knowing what what life is without the thing that you love, that gives like that's certainly given me the drive to uh to just fully be uh intensely into like what I do love, which is making music. And yeah. um and you know, like uh rather than sort of like, you know, burying like burying a lot of my time into like a job to sort of uh supplement my income, like I, I do a lot of like uh I do a lot of like acoustic shows as well. Like I, I, I like singing and stuff like that. Like uh, there is, if you, if you're just willing to take that, to take that risk, to take that, to just sort of just boldly sort of step into it, you can get by doing what you love. Like, you know, if like, if for me, it's, I got to play like, I got to play like, you know, 10 acoustic shows a month to be able to support myself in earth caller when we're going on tour and stuff like that. You just do that. Like yeah. you just make sure that that can happen. Yeah, I mean, there's another movie I'm going to draw upon. <laughs> I'm going to cliche myself here and draw upon another movie to demonstrate an analogy. But another one of my favorite movies is Rounders with Matt Damon, where he's a professional poker player. Yeah. And he he loses a bunch of money. I mean, I'm going to give away some spoilers, but the movie's fucking 20 years old, all right? So just deal with yeah. it. Yeah, it's a The movie came out last week, right? The movie came out in, like, 1993 or something, 1995. But anyway, he's a professional gambler. He loses all of his money at the beginning of the movie. So his his girlfriend at the time was like, look, time to give it up. Why don't you go to law school? You know, that's what I'm doing. So he applies to law school. He gets a regular job on the side, just delivering things just to get by. But you can tell he has no passion whatsoever for this. And that world of playing cards just keeps tugging at him. It just keeps pulling him back in. And then one scene, he walks into a poker game with one of his professors, and he sees all these guys sitting around playing, and he walks in, and just within seconds, he sizes everybody up. And he knows what they have, he knows what they're doing, he knows who's bluffing, et cetera. So he tells his professor, he's like, hey, man, do this, do this, do this. And, he, and the professor does it, and he wins big time. And he's like, what the hell was that, man? That guy just came in here, and he, he gave us that advice out of nowhere. But later on in the movie, he's talking to his professor, and he's, his professor's like, look, I don't get the impression that you know, you're really into this, this whole law school thing. I don't, I don't really think it's your deal. You know, there's something else that you should be doing. And he basically tells a story of how, yeah, I used to be a professional poker player, et cetera. And then the professor gives an analogy from his own life. He goes, I came from a very strict Jewish upbringing. They wanted me to go to seminary. They wanted me to do this and that. But I, I couldn't do it. It just wasn't for me. So I went to law school. I became a professor, et cetera. And then Matt Damon goes, was that the right choice? And he goes, what choice? Yeah. And that's the yeah. message to have right there. What choice? Like, did you make the right choice? What choice? This is the only thing I wanted to do. You know, what I'm doing right now is the only thing I want to do. There isn't anything else I want to do. It's not like I have dreams of being an actor or I wanted to be an MMA fighter, you know, or I wanted to be a car mechanic. And I don't, this, this is what I want to do right now. It's not like uh, my my backup plans. Like, well, if I can't be famous doing this, then I'll do this. You, you have to have that mentality of what choice. This is it. That's so true. That's so true. And, and the thing is, is like, cause you know, like I've, uh, I've had, but like, uh, music for me, like even when I wasn't sort of, uh, even when I wasn't sort of 
what you know when I made the mistakes of sort of like not focusing on it right and just sort of you know just being more focused on how I'm going to get money you know um I found that there wasn't really a choice like music was always finding its way to pull me back into it like and I could tell that uh I could tell that you know ultimately speaking I was just not pursuing music like not you know uh not going sort of uh you know uh like balls deep into into music is just me lying to myself and living a lie you know and it and that uh that statement uh what choice is like so true because you actually really don't have a choice like you love what you love and you can either your choices are is that you can either bury yourself into what you love or you can bury yourself into a lie really right that's right and for me, it's well, soul sucking. Bury yourself into a grave of depression, and then be in a grave period because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. you've been you've been living a life like this zombie because you you didn't pick the thing that really made you feel alive. That's <laughs> so right. that's what it comes that's down right. to. Yeah. The thing that really makes Somebody, you feel alive is a good wait, way of putting it. I mean, if you if the three of us went after this show, if the three of us just went up and talked to, let's say, I don't know, a couple strangers, three to five, right? And you just got onto a topic of, hey, do you? enjoy what you do for a living are you happy about your life and they were honest if they decided to be honest with you the answer would be like fuck no i mean in, in <laughs> johan hardy's book he asks people they did a survey where they go how many close friends do you have and 20 years ago the answer was three to five the answer now is zero because yeah. people are, people are on social media so much they're not how can you have close friends when you're not an authentic person yeah, 100%. exactly. You continue to show this one side of yourself that you've created for the most part. Even if you came and try to be yourself, eventually you've been influenced because randomly 50, 60 people keep popping up in your feed and, or their, their stuff pops up and, and you start. It's hard not to be a sponge and take a little bit of whoever they're posing as and, and absorb some of that. And, you yeah. know, and some, it just by. Just by magnetism, you tend to gravitate toward that. Or they'll say something that you agree with, but then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Next thing you know, you're following what they're saying. And then you, you're looking at what they're saying. Then you see who they're following. Then next thing you know, it becomes very tribal. And then you got to ask yourself, okay, at what part did I lose myself during all this? Now that I'm 50 friends, quote, unquote, deep, you know, I've added this person, they've added me, blah, blah. I, I think, they, you know, that's why one thing I like about Instagram is the fact where it says, Follow and following for most part instead of saying friends like Facebook lies to you already when it says like so and so added you as a friend somebody wants to be your friend no they don't they just want to be nosy they don't want to be your friend <laughs> you know so, so that's what they need to put they need to be honest on those buttons like so and so wants to be nosy do you want to let them in your life and see what you're posting you know confirm or you know deny you know so and, and it's true what happens on Instagram is like you are truly following for the most part what's going on because if you're looking at okay I'm let me follow and see what they're talking about here in this hashtag here. So you actually really are following or being followed there. At least it's somewhat honest com compared to, like I said, Facebook is lying to you with this friends crap. You're not friends. That's, a, I, that's why I like to hang out with my car. I always say I like to hang out with my carbon-based friends. And yeah. you, you can always tell the, the, the lack of education when you say that because when people look at you like, what? Carbon-based yeah. friends. You know, that's what humans are made of, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking about the ones and zeros. And I'm not talking about my pixel friends. <laughs> you know, so we're not talking about that. So like, trust me, if these people have a virus, it's not going to be a good thing in real life. The people that I'm hanging out with, you get a virus on the computer, I can always just turn them off and unplug it and be, be done with it. Yeah. So, 
Oh, but it's it's funny it's funny um, that you like uh, that you're bringing up sort of like Facebook and uh, social media because uh, and and the idea of friendship because I think like uh, I think that something that's sort of happened in recent years with the sort of um, with the sort of uh, presence and uh, the more streamlined nature of social media these days I think the definition of what people call a friend has changed like. Um, like, uh, as you said before, like when you ask people 20 years ago, how many close friends they have and they, like the answer would be like, you know, sort of three to five close friends, like a, a sort of tight knit group. Now it's like, uh, now people sort of say that they're friends with, you know, 200 people, 400 people, you know, like, uh, just anybody like from the scene. But, um, what sort of died is, is the actual sort of core tenets of what makes friendship friendship like are you right or die with this person? Like I, like, you know, if this person's going through a hard time, are you going to be there to, to, uh, sort of help pick them up and help shield them from a lot of like the, the shit that's coming at them? Because that's what actual friendship is. And now sort of just with this whole, like, um, everybody's got to look after themselves 100% mentality and like the sort of death of community and more of like, uh, a social media type community rather than a, a literal carbon based one, as you would put it, has sort of just ushered in this, um, has ushered in this sort of like this time of like sort of emptiness sort of. And as you said, like the answer is that you have kind of like a lot of people have zero close friends because when they're going through a hard time, that's when everybody else sort of logs out, you know? It's a catch 22 because you, you know, I think a lot of times what's happening is social media makes it very easy to not get so invested with people so you can be vulnerable, which means like if you have real friends out in the real world, you know, you're being vulnerable. You, you're putting yourself out there. That means that you're putting yourself in a situation where these people could betray you. They could hurt your feelings or they could die. You could lose them or something really bad. Like you're saying, something bad could happen to them. And, you know, you have to take on, you feel that pain for them and really, feel the empathy and sympathy for them at the same time because this is someone that you are connected to. So yeah. it's, it's, it's social media can be something seen as a safe zone for people. And it was like, well, if I don't like this or whatever else, I can just log off or I can go somewhere else. I can just turn on, you know, do something else from this point on. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I can unfollow that person. You know, I don't, I can block them. You know, it's very easy. They don't have to be human when they're on social media for the most part. People can act like they're human, but until you're doing humanly things, you really don't have to be human. You're not required to do so. So it's a catch-22. But then when they're in a situation where they need someone, you know, here's someone that had the same, you know, the same attitude that you did. And so then they feel isolated and alone. And that's why you get a lot of these events that we see that are going on in this world where it's like, oh, look at this tragedy. Oh, this kid did this. I can't believe he went shot up to school, blah, blah. Okay, instead of blaming the two, let's go back and look at their social life. Look at, was anyone even there? Did anybody even pay attention to this? Because the signs were there. This is not something that happened right away. This has right. been leading up. They've been bullied. You know, no one stepped in to fight for them. Look, man, we were all before the Internet. You know, it's like it's funny. We have like A.D. and before Christ era and all that. So now we need to have like a B.I.E. before Internet era. You know, for yeah, all of us who were that time. <laughs> you know, you know, if you anybody that had like any kind of moral decency when we were in school, if we saw like the, the kid who was mentally challenged or, you know, or the overweight kid getting beat up by the jocks or whatever else or just some bully in general, you know, you'd step in. 
you step in like, no, bro, you can't do that. You know, or, you know, you want to whoop his ass, you got to whoop mine. You know, and you had other friends who would do the same thing, and then that would be the end of that. You know, whereas now these kids are getting bullied or whatever else, and people think and people like I think on social media troll the, the troll the troll. They feel like they're 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 actually defending the kid. Like that's not enough. You know, you need to check in with that kid too. You know, it's, it's more to it than just following them. It's like, can you call that kid? You know, like, hey man, look, you need someone to talk to. Here's my number. You know, or you know, hell, Skype me. You know, at least you know that video interaction at least be more beneficial than just like say putting a tweet up and like, oh, are you good? Well, we don't know. You can't see them or whatever else, man. So it's like it's really made it very safe to be detached from getting invested in someone emotionally. As far as it encourages, it almost encourages detachment, which is yeah, it does. You know, which is it's, it's, it's encouraging the opposite of what it was really created for in the in the yeah. very beginning. You know, mm. before people they. Before it was realized that, you know, you could capitalize on this now and make money from it. And I'm not saying, like, people just posting their stuff or whatever, but even the social media companies have capitalized on your emotions and your, your quote-unquote connection. Because, you know, they have their algorithms going on now, so they see how your behavior is. They see who you tend to hang out with, who your tribes are, whatever else. So now they know how to make money and who to cater to and what sponsors to bring in for just your particular page and your profile from all the stuff that you did when you created that profile. So once that started, once the money gets involved, man, it's just kind of like that's a lot of times when that emotional connection starts to really like dissipate. And that's what's really starting to happen with this now. It's a marketing thing now more than anything else if you're not aware. Now, you know, if you're aware, you know, you can see right through that BS. You can tell like, oh, no, no, no. And you can actually realize who you're really having a connection with online. And eventually, a lot of times, it's like if you really do have that connection, it's like, look, look, look dude, enough of this DMing and instant messaging, whatever else, man. Like, you know, hey, you know, if you're in town, hit me up or I'm coming through, blah, blah. Let's go hang out, grab a drink, talk, you know, grab something, to eat, whatever else. And, you know, so don't. People that listen don't think that we're all against that because, look, man, like I said, we got this connection right now. Yeah, you're on this podcast, whatever else, but it's a little bit more than just like you coming on and promoting your band and we're trying to bring you on and, you know, we're just trying to like, oh, you know, we just like the music and we're fanboys or whatever else. It's like, no, there's a connection because listen to the conversation. It's going yeah. beyond that. It's going yeah, way beyond that. Yeah, we're, we're talking real shit right now, real shit for real people. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we're, and we're it's more interesting for everybody. It's more interesting for us. It's more interesting for you, Josh. Just like, uh, like I was telling Jamie from Code Orange before he came on last week. I go, we, he's like, oh, you know, what are you guys going to ask me so I can prepare? I was like, don't worry about it, man. We're just going to have a good conversation. <clears throat> you know, we don't put together a bunch of <laughs> questions. I mean, I have some, I have some things I want to bring up, but I don't put together a list of questions where we just drill you. It's not, it's not the Larry King show. No, I like this. This format is seriously like. Uh, has I feel like it's it's literally like revolutionized a lot of a lot of stuff like because right because right now like uh right now we've been on this call for a hundred uh, sorry one hour and forty four minutes and in that time I've actually been able to like talk about like sort of like what motivates me what drives me what what I'm afraid of that kind of stuff and I feel as though that this format is the only sort of is like it's it's a new it's a new thing. And it's, it's allowed, it's allowed people who like consume music, consume, uh, any kind of, uh, entertainment or, or service to be able to really actually get to know the people that they're supporting essentially. Oh, yeah. And I exactly. feel like, I feel like this, I feel like, uh, I think it, it's worth sort of noting that like, uh, in, in the same way that we were sort of criticizing Facebook right now, 
b- before uh, technology such as this has allowed people to to connect with uh, to connect with uh, people that inspire them in a in a way that uh, wasn't possible before. And I and yeah. um and and I think in that you know like uh, in being able to do this you know like people are going to listen to this and they're going to get uh, they're going to get like a real actual like kick out of it like a proper benefit you know. It was always good because they can realize like oh these people are real people just like me they, so therefore guess what now the pedestal has been removed there's this the inferiority can be removed because you realize okay this is a human being he pisses and bleeds like I do you know you don't have to put him on you know this this status way above you, which is what happens with a lot of people when they start looking at these celebrities and whatever else, because celebrities only show you so much. <clears throat> they really don't want to appear vulnerable a lot of times. You know, politicians no. don't want to seem vulnerable. They want to seem like they're, hey, I'm in control. I'm good. I'm a powerful person, blah, blah. It's like, well, the best way to show how powerful you are is show your vulnerability at the same mm-hmm. time. And how do you how do you balance that? That's where the real power is. How can you balance that instead of being extremely on one way of doing this or being extremely going the other way of doing it by being too much of a dick that's trying to exert his power or being a pussy, you know, trying to act like you don't have any power or, you know, and giving up your power. So how do you balance things out? That's what inspires people because that's all what everyone's looking for. People are just trying to seek balance, man. But everybody's always trying to preach, you know, go all the way over this way or all the way this way, or there's just no other way. It's the wrong way. And that's, that's not how life or biology, none of that stuff works that way. It's not just that one thing. You got to find that balance. And that's what this does. These platforms do. They show like, okay, these people are human. They have their they have their insecurities. You know, Mike had his issues with corporate America and whatever else. And you know, yeah, it was it could have been like a very scary time. You know, striking on your own. Everybody is gonna have those doubts and those fears for a few seconds. But then, what's the alternative? That's the question. Yes, well, what's the alternative? Yeah, I'm feeling a little nervous about this new business, but what's my other option? And then, like yeah. you guys saying, like. There is no other option because you you see what the other option could be, but that's not my option. F that. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to do that, man. That sucks. So I'm yeah. going to deal with this type of suck right here I mean, that I'm not familiar I mean, with and that suck that I'm very familiar with. I know that yeah. suck, and I, I'm not good with that. <laughs> no, my yeah, my issue with corporate America, but just authority in general, is I don't like anyone telling me what I can or can't do when it comes to my life. Right? That's why I never liked working for someone else. You have to come in when they tell you to. You have to leave. You go. You 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 have to stay until they tell you to. If you want a vacation, you have to ask. And I know exactly where it all comes from. In my case, I've written about it in my book and so forth. So I'm just a guy who is ferocious about independence. So the hmm. things that people are afraid of being an entrepreneur, those are the things that I run towards, that I crave. Right. They don't, I don't have any fear whatsoever about making my own money and doing my own. That's the way I want to do it. You know, I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's because, it's because you know, uh, that it's because you, like, uh, see, people, people, uh, make the mistake of being afraid of, like, the wrong kinds of things. Like, see, rather than the fear of failing at becoming, like, you know, a successful, uh, career musician, I'm way more afraid of being in a position of having to wake up and, you know, wake up super early every day, go somewhere I don't want to be, and then go home in traffic. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that puts the fear of God in me more than anything else. Like, like I would, I would rather, I would rather for a period of time suffer for what I love than just suffer for the sake of suffering. Right. Right. That's exactly right. And, I, and I'm glad I had those experiences because I know what the alternative is. So that's why you know, anytime I had, I had that one big, big moment of doubt 
in business, but I've had, not recently, but I've had doubts here and there during the formative years, but I always knew what the alternative was. You know, and yeah. The alternative was motivating in terms of not wanting to go back there. Right? You know? yeah. so it's, it's not so much that I just had a indifference about working for other people. I had a hatred of it, right? I was like, I, the idea of doing it, I couldn't stand it. I tried it. I realized this is not for me. I never want to go back. It's you have you know to, in your heart you're the type of person that um you're the type of person that doesn't ask permission to do the things that he wants to do. He just does them, you know. And then when you're not living true to yourself, that's what that's, you know. That's like you hate it. Like I have to ask to go have a cigarette. I got to ask to do this. Like I'm not a person that asks, you know. I'm a person that does. Like got to ask to go to the bathroom. It's like come on, what yeah, am I in yeah, kindergarten dude, again? Yeah. It's like I was a child then, and you, there was an authority figure. I was an adult, you know, at that point. But now I'm a grown. I'm a grown ass man. Somebody. What do you mean I have to ask permission to take a vacation? Or better yet, I have to ask permission to take a sick day when I'm not feeling well? Like, no, you, you can't take that. You, you don't have any sick days right now. You need to come in. Oh, okay. I'm coming to contaminate all you fools then. Okay. I'm going to make you reconsider. Call me Typhoid Mary. You're going to reconsider making me come in while I'm sick. I'm coughing on everybody. Everybody's getting coughed on and sneezed on today, bro. <laughs> to the point, you're like, you know what, Hogan, go home. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> we we're good here. So, I think we have enough really good material there, man. Thanks a lot for waking up so early and joining us today. Oh, dude, thank you for having me. It was an absolute honor. I I hope I uh, I hope I did a good job for you guys. Uh, like uh, I had a lot of fun having that chat. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll leave a good back. review yeah. for you on Yelp, man. I know you guys don't have it over there, but we got Yelp. We'll give you a good review. <laughs> yeah, I know what Yelp is though from South Park. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything you have coming up you want to plug, Josh? Any anything? We know you you have the U.S. tour planned in the summer, but anything else you'd like to bring up? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so for anybody listening uh, in Australia right now, uh, we're we're going on tour with a uh, Savior and a Burden uh, this April. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got Upload Fest coming up. It's a, it's a sideshow for Download Fest. It's a, we're headlining it. Uh, we've like a whole bunch of great bands, including The Gloom in the Corner, Blacklist, uh, and, and heaps more. And, um, and yeah, uh, just to, to everybody in the States who, um, who's been supporting us, I just want to say thanks very much. Um, like, uh, it, it means the world to us and we're looking forward to hopefully, uh, coming to see you this summer. Sounds good, man. Awesome, man. Thanks, thanks for everyone. Well, yeah, man, pleasure. Now I'll look forward to seeing you guys in the summer. I'll definitely make it to even if you don't come to Vegas. I'll look for a show in Los Angeles or somewhere in the vicinity, and I'll definitely come out. One hundred percent, man. That would be great. The um, yeah, looking forward to eating some edibles with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure I'm stocked uh, up before you guys yeah, get yeah. out here. <laughs> I'll, come, I'll come with the cash. You can eat. We can even take a little tour to the dispensary. We can have it filmed you know, for some content. Oh, you know? dude, yes, yes. Okay, I'm bringing a cameraman. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. You have a great day, man. Pleasure. Yeah, you too, guys. Have a good one. Take care, Have bro. a good one, Josh. Take care. Cheers. Again, everyone, that's Josh Collard of Earth Collar. Definitely check out the record on. You can you can check out the music on YouTube. You can check it out on Spotify. On Spotify. Apple Music, etc. It's all over the place. And then if you like it, download some songs. Buy it. I don't know if they have <laughs> out yet, but go buy it. Yeah, exactly. These guys don't get paid much when you listen to it on YouTube. That's for sure. Yeah, support the music. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> that's one thing that's that's also tough is you can get stuff out there in a way more efficient way than ever before, right? But because it's so efficient, people don't see the value in buying it. Right. <laughs> so it's a right. it's a bit of a catch twenty two. Like, oh yeah, man, I'll I'll read that article you post for free. Oh, you got an ebook to buy? I don't I don't want to have to buy it. I just read some free stuff on your website. Why do I have to buy anything? <laughs> right. I just wait for the free stuff to come back out. You know, I wait I wait to next week's newsletter. <laughs> right, you're like, oh, I've been a follower of yours on uh, Twitter, and it's like, well, that uh, and I wanted to give you some feedback. I was like, no, 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 no. You haven't earned the no, right no, to no. give me any feedback. You're not a customer. You're a follower on Twitter. That doesn't mean anything. Right, you're a customer. I'll listen to what you have to say. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the one million people that follow Trump? You know, like, well, you know, I've been following your tweets. You know, Mr. President, (laughs) I I need to tell you something. (laughs) Look here, Rocket Boy. (laughs) I don't care about what you say. Make sure you folks head over to Patreon. Like I said, we keep all the good bonuses coming over there. In fact, during this episode, did a couple lenses. So we actually had some live video going on while we were talking and having our discussion with Josh, you know, and I already saw some folks are already look, looking in real time with that. So, again, those lenses are pretty much the Patreon equivalent of <clears throat> of like Instagram stories and Snapchat. So they go away after 24 hours. And, you know, so it's something I've been kind of toying with. And again, just like we were talking about last week with Jamie, you know, I want to help these guys, you know, help these guys out and get the word out there. So I also did a Periscope as well on um, Twitter of, you know, just a few minutes of why we were talking to Josh, too. So but that won't always happen, especially for other guests. But like I I want to I want to do our part to help these guys get out there and be more known to more to different audiences or whatever. So that's the reason why I went in with, with a free version of doing that as well by promoting it on Periscope. But like I said, that's not going to be the norm. It's like I still want to keep the bonuses there for our people over at Patreon. So that's why the lenses that we, I posted over there are a little bit more exclusive and, and a little bit more uninterrupted or whatever. So again, head over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast, become a Patreon subscriber, get access to all the bonuses, the bonus episodes, the mini episodes that we're doing as well as commercial-free episodes that have come out a couple of weeks before the free version. So you'll already be way, not just one up, but maybe two ups on everyone else compared to, you know, the folks who will get everything for free over on iTunes, Stitcher, and everything else. And um, other than that, use that coupon code LLA. Get 10% off all of our products at both of our websites at MikeMahler.com as well as NewWarriorTraining.com. And um, other than that, rate and review us, man. Just keep those reviews going. Let's pack it. Let's get it going. You know, just hit the stars, whatever. Make it quick. It doesn't have to be a thesis like Mike says, man. Just, you know, say, hey, good show. I like it. I dig it. Boom. You're done. <laughs> See, it took all of like a second for me to say that. That's how long it take you to type it. Uh, anything else you want to add, man, before we head out? No, that's good, man. we got more great guests in the pipeline, so we're going to keep them coming. We're just going to keep hitting home runs this year. Exactly. There you have it, folks. So we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care, everybody. 